The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Hey, hey, welcome. Disability Law Show. We are back. You are back. Strap in. We're good here for another hour. You're going to learn a ton. I'm also going to tell you right off the top, you can reach out and contact Savannah Tamarkin. Uh, that is no problem. Darren Saul as well. Uh, 1-855-821-5900. That's toll free, of course. Website disabilityrights.ca and email help at disabilityrights.ca. I'll give you some more contact information, other useful websites to uh, to land on throughout the show. But uh, we, the main topic we're going to cover this week, guys, is going to be three fast facts about chronic pain and LTD. Stay tuned for those. We're going to get to that. We'll get to some of your emails, but we always start off, uh, Savan, with the, uh, the week that was a case of the day. What do you got going on, pal? Absolutely, John. Uh, you know, as miss, many of our listeners know, we, we uh, help people with long-term disability claims across Canada, really as a whole. I mean, we have offices in Ontario, BC, and Alberta, but we, we have people contacting us from everywhere, literally, in Canada. And let me tell you about a, a call I had um, earlier this week with someone from Nova Scotia. This person is in his early 50s. He's a father of two, two young kids under 10. This person works um, or worked uh, as a senior engineer, making good money. Unfortunately, uh, he has cancer, uh, and it's uh, it's at a later stage, and uh, he was undergoing chemo treatments and various other treatments, and over time, his condition has deteriorated, gotten worse, the symptoms have really taken a toll, and his work, obviously, suffered for it. But this guy, you know, is just one of those people who goes and does what he needs to do and doesn't complain and, and doesn't, doesn't want to rock the boat. And what happened was at some point he was let go from his company for his performance issues. Now, at that point, after that happened, he then applied for long-term disability because he had that coverage through his health benefits through work. The problem is he was denied on the basis, the insurance company took the position that he doesn't get LTD benefits because he was no longer actively working, actively at work. That's the provision in most insurance policies of this nature. In addition, they said you have no coverage because you're no longer working with this company. But he, here's the thing. The reality is that he became disabled while he was still employed. Right. That's, that's, the, that's the fact. And, and mm-hmm. so when I looked at the medical documents and I spoke with him, you know, we agreed that he would get a report from his family doctor and his oncologist that essentially explains that he in fact became disabled from working while he was still employed with that company. And I think that once we provide that to the insurance company, they're going to reverse their decision, I think. If they don't, we're going to hit them hard with a legal claim because there's no question here that the reason why he was let go is because of a deteriorating condition attributed to his uh, cancer and the related treatments. So there's no, no, you know, there's no ambiguity, you know, about that. What's more, uh, you know, to, to this point is that we also have employment lawyers. And of course, we have a colleague of mine on the show here, uh, uh, Darren, uh, who, who doesn't just practice long-term disability, but also practices employment law. And I'm sure he can explain that this person is potentially owed significant severance, uh, being a senior employee, uh, a, a long-term employee. In addition to that, assuming the company was aware that he had all those issues, they could be potentially open to human rights damages for having let go a disabled employee. Now, all of these claims are interlinked in many ways in that any severance he received may impact 
his long-term disability entitlements. So I don't want to confuse our, our listeners. What I want to do is provide this uh, sample situation, very unfortunate case, as an example of what people should be aware of. Uh, so you have to understand that if the insurance company denies your claim, that's not the end of the analysis. In this case, uh, you know, John, we talked about this yesterday with another colleague of mine, James Fireman, and he yep. called this a technical denial. And what he means by that is that insurance companies sometimes will deny claims not on the substance of the application. In other words, they don't assess necessarily if you are in fact disabled under the policy and should be getting LTD benefits. What they do is they say you're too late in applying or you no longer have coverage because now you're not working, you're not actively at work. So they're using a technical reason to deny you the benefits that otherwise you would be entitled to. And many of these technical denials may sound right, but in fact they are not under the law, or at least there's an argument as to why the insurance company is wrong. And in many, many cases, we are able to intervene on behalf of these individuals who are disabled and unable to work and force these insurance companies to pay quite a lot of compensation to these people and their families. You know, this person here is 52 years old. Let's do the math. Let's assume for a second, John, mm -hmm. I'm just doing quick math. Let's assume he's owed $50,000 a year in LTD. As an example, let's say that because of his condition, he's going to be off work for the next five years. Okay. Five years times uh, $50,000. That's $250,000. What if it's 10 years? It's half a million right. dollars. We've yeah. had claims in the seven figure range. So it's really, really important not to simply walk away from a potential claim for long-term disability benefits without speaking to someone on our team, myself, Darren, someone else. And here's the thing, it costs nothing, nothing to get this information from us. We will gladly speak with you, with the family member, whoever you tell us to speak with, we'll review the documentation, it is free. And if at some point you want us to get involved, you don't pay anything up front. We basically get paid only if we're able to recover money for you. Essentially the same as uh, a real estate agent, right? That has a percentage of whatever it is that they're selling. So, so if, if we, if we're wrong, we've done all this work for free. So you really have nothing to lose, especially getting this information. So really, John, the, 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 the key message here, please, 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 if you have any questions about long-term disability, if you've been denied, if you know somebody who's been denied long-term disability, tell them to give us a call or email us. It'll be one of the best things I've ever done. And smartest things too, guys, toll-free, reach out as Savan uh, tells you to do, one 821 5900 email help at disabilityrights.ca. There's also a website called mydisabilityquestions.com. That's a beauty because it's free. It's anonymous. You can type your question in there. It's also searchable. That's the way the algorithm works. So if a question like yours has been asked and answered in full, it'll save you a few minutes. If not, leave it there and it will be answered again, mydisabilityquestions.com. Okay, main topic. I love this one, guys. want to get into this. Three fast facts about chronic pain and LTD. Number one, you guys can fight who answers this one first, but I know you're both going to talk about it. Chronic pain is any pain that persists for six months or more and can cause an inability to work. Expand on that for me. Yeah, mm -hmm. chronic pain, uh, and that could be back pain, that could be neck pain, that could be knee pain, any kind of pain, fibromyalgia, uh, any pain that persists for more than six months and, and causes you uh, or interferes with your ability to perform the essential tasks of your occupation, i.e. you can't work, that's something that's going to entitle you to long-term disability, assuming you have that coverage, either privately or, or through work benefits. Uh, and I say six months because that's what doctors typically tell us. But the reality is that so long as you're unable to work, 
because of chronic pain, you should be entitled to LTD, even though insurance companies oftentimes dismiss that and deny those kinds of claims. We'll talk about that too. I can tell you right now, we've had many, many chronic pain cases, fibromyalgia cases, the result for hundreds of thousands of dollars, insurance companies paying these individuals, even though initially they had denied those claims. So, so that, that's what people need to understand is that it is completely legitimate. Oftentimes it's also intertwined with psychological, uh, issues as a result of chronic pain because you can't sleep. Obviously you're depressed, et cetera. Uh, all these things, uh, do support your claim for long-term disability. Fast facts about chronic pain and LTD. Number two, I'm going to throw this one towards you, Darren, because I know you're getting antsy. You want to answer some stuff. <laughs> this one is uh, many chronic pain conditions cannot be established with objective medical evidence and are not considered invisible, and are, are rather are considered invisible illnesses. This is like low hanging fruit for the insurance company, right? Yeah, and and I mean this is the one like like Savannah said that we see quite often, and you see it with conditions such as fibromyalgia. You see it with chronic fatigue syndrome. These are illnesses which you know, unlike someone who's coming in with with uh, you know an amputated busted arm hip, yeah. yeah busted hip or something where you've got a bone broken or you've got muscle tears or you've got uh, you know palsies or something like that where there's a physical symptom or there's there's some kind of physical aspect to it these are these are conditions which and mental health conditions you know they, they are they are you know invisible illnesses as, as, as well but with the physical ones the chronic pain conditions you can have people who get triggered by things like when it's too cold when it's too hot um, when they overexert themselves they can wake up in states of fatigue they can have body fatigue and they don't know the cause um, it can be intertwined with mental health illnesses um, and, and so there's a lot of stuff there where you you can't hook someone up to a you know a pain meter or a fatigue meter where you can you, you can measure that and say okay they're a level six and so they're they're you know they're um, they're disabled this goes on the effects of these illnesses on these people. And there are many physicians out there and, and specialists out there who recognize these illnesses. And, and, you know, the insurance companies do pay on these. They, they, they have to, but I mean, their, their first, their first position typically tends to be, um, oh, we can't see anything wrong with you. You can still walk around. You can open a door and get coffee. You must not be disabled enough. You, you don't seem fatigued. You don't seem like you're disabled. Um, you know, but just because they tell you that or they tell you they can't see any symptoms or there's no test they can run doesn't mean that you're not owed disability benefits doesn't mean you're not disabled so so do do call us for stuff like that i mean it's it's don't take them at their word on that i mean we, we've helped out you know tons of people who, who have these illnesses and, and it's interesting too guys because we talked about this when we were doing our tv show uh the other day savannah that the the Conversely, you can see a scan with a guy who's got three bulging discs in his lower back, but he feels no pain. So objective or not, that's not always the key to being on disability. You know what I mean? That happens too. It's like you should be crippled. A guy, I feel perfectly fine. <laughs> so to your point, you yeah. bet you can get coverage for this stuff and the insurance companies do have to pay up. But number three is this one, three fast facts about chronic pain LTD. Insurers often deny chronic pain claims despite the support of treating doctors. I don't know how that works, but it happens. Yeah. And that's the key thing here, despite the support of treating doctors. So you are experiencing chronic pain. You have a family doctor, maybe a chronic pain doctor, maybe a physiatrist or an orthopedic specialist. You may have other people, rheumatologists, and these individuals have put on paper that you are unable to work at the present time because of whatever symptoms or whatever condition you may have. And the insurance company comes back and says, insufficient medical documentation supporting your disability or there's no objective medical evidence blah 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 here's the thing 
It's nonsense. It is nonsense. If any of your treating doctors have said that you are unable to work or they agree that you should be off work because of your symptoms for the foreseeable future, you should be applying and you should be accepted for long-term disability. Again, assuming you have that coverage through uh, a a long-term disability policy. Uh, The reality, though, John, is that insurance companies, we're going to get into this later with some emails, the reality is many of them simply ignore what treating doctors say. And when I say doctors, by the way, I include in that psychologists, psychotherapists. I include everyone that is treating people for a mental or a physical or a combination of both types of an illness or an injury. The reality is that these people know your condition. They know what you need to get better. You need to trust them. You need to follow their recommendations and advice. And insurance companies should, I underlined and highlight, should listen to them too but often they don't. That's where we come in. Because when an insurance company thinks that they can substitute their opinions for the opinions of whoever is treating you for your condition to try and get you better, that is a problem. And that's something that I can tell you right now, courts across the country, judges across the country, have repeatedly said to insurance companies, you cannot do that. You simply cannot do that. And and, and in some instances where insurance companies have acted really badly, some courts have actually awarded not just the benefits that are owed by these insurance companies, but they've ordered punishing compensation or punishing damages called punitive damages, you know, to really, really teach those insurance companies a lesson. Uh, most of these cases, of course, never go to court. Most of these cases, you know, oftentimes resolve early on at some point. Most of our cases resolve early on because once we get into the picture, once we, you know, uh, start the legal process, once we get the necessary medical documentation reports, once we engage the insurance companies and they get their defense lawyers there, we all know how this game is played by insurance companies. And they know that they can't simply pull the wool over our eyes. They understand that we know their tricks. They understand that they're going to have to pay sooner or later. So they might, have, you know, they might as well pay sooner. Otherwise, they're just going to spend a lot of money on their own lawyers unnecessarily. With that, we'll take a short break. We're a champion of the bit to get into some of these emails. We will do that upon a return, but stick around. Don't go anywhere. In the meantime, you can write these numbers down. As Savan said, toll free. There's no obligation. Just call and have a chat anytime. 1-855-821-5900. Email help at disabilityrights.ca. And the uh, website is also disabilityrights.ca as well. We'll continue. This is the Disability Law Show. Hang on. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. All right, thanks for hanging in. Disability Law Show, good to have you on the show today. Listening with us, it's uh, John Scholes, Savannah Tamark, and Darren Saul. You want to reach out to the fellas anytime. they got a great team with them as well. We always tell you don't hesitate if it's just for a chat. You can do so. It's toll-free, 1-855-821-5900, help at disabilityrights.ca. That's the email address we use every week on the show. And you also have the option of asking questions through mydisabilityquestions.com. That's free, and it's uh, anonymous too. Okay, Danielle's first one up, guys, says, uh, Gentlemen, after contracting COVID, my brother is currently seeking medical attention at a clinic for individuals with long COVID symptoms. His treatment provider has cautioned him that many people with long, uh, long-haul symptoms have been denied LTD, and now he's worried about applying. What should he do? So Danielle's got a great question. I've actually talked to people who have been suffering from this, this type of uh, uh, situation as, as well, and I think you, you, you apply. 
I mean, if, if you have symptoms, you have medical symptoms that are preventing you from being able to work, if your doctor supports the fact that you're unable to work and you have access to LTD coverage, you definitely apply for that coverage. Um, you know, people are denied for all types of reasons. And, and I know there's a lot going around, especially with, uh, with, with COVID and everything about people being denied uh, benefits and, and being denied different things. Even with, I see that in my employment practices as well. But, but I always say this to people is you lose nothing by applying. Um, if anything, you'll get a statement from the insurer. And, and if they say, listen, we're denying you because, um, you know, X, Y, or Z reasons, then I think your next stop is you, you bring it to someone like, uh, like Savannah or myself or any one of our, our colleagues and, and, you know, we'll look, we'll look that over for you, right? You, you don't lose anything by calling us, but the, the primary, the primary factor, the primary thing you look at here is whether or not you have symptoms of an illness that your doctor supports and that has rendered you unable to perform the duties of your job, the essential duties of your job. And, and if that's the case, you and you have LTD coverage, you you should be getting paid that coverage. You, you, you have a contract with the insurer and they, they should be making good on that. What do you think, Savan? I completely agree with everything that Darren said. And I can tell you that some people have this inherent fear of making an application for long-term disability because they think they may get denied. But it's an irrational fear because if you think about it, start from the proposition of or the question of are you disabled? Are you able to work? If you've concluded that you're not able at the present time because of an illness, let's say long COVID, which by the way is serious. I mean, some of these symptoms are, are debilitating. Uh, I know actually a few people that are experiencing still some of these symptoms, Same. Uh, Same. weakness and, and, you know, memory issues, etc. So, and listen, medicine, doctors, they're trying to figure this out, but they don't know everything and they'll, they'll say that. Certainly insurance companies don't know everything, but they also understand that they're afraid of opening the floodgates for these kinds of claims. And so in many cases, they will in fact deny these claims, but so what? So what? If you cannot work because of symptoms of long COVID or any other reason, and your doctors confirm that you in fact are unable to work, unable uh, to do the essential tasks of your, of your job, of your occupation, there is no reason why the insurance company denies your claim. They can't simply say because it's COVID. That's just not an explanation. There's no exclusion in these policies that I have ever seen that says if you have COVID or COVID, long COVID sim uh, symptoms, that somehow that disentitles you from benefits. There just isn't a provision like that. What LTD policies say is that if you cannot perform the essential tasks of your own occupation within the first two years, of, of LTD, then you're entitled to long-term disability benefits, period. And beyond the two-year mark, it's can you perform the essential tasks of any occupation for which you are suited for? Well, if you have long COVID and you're having memory issues or weaknesses or whatever it is and you cannot work, A, you should, you should get LTD. Uh, I also have, I, I want to actually use this as a, as a stepping stone to another topic, which is I, I do have sometimes people calling me telling me that they've been told by their doctors or by their psychologists, don't even bother applying for LTD. I've had patients who tried and they were denied. Please, please, please do not listen to legal advice from your doctors. I have no. tremendous respect for doctors. My brother is a doctor, uh, but they are specialists in, in medicine. They know medicine, they know their field. They're not lawyers. I will never give medical advice. That's just outside my area of expertise. I understand why they're saying it because from their perspective, it's a losing battle, but I can tell you that's from their perspective. It's from their perspective. Right. It's not a losing battle. In fact, it's a lot easier than you think. 
when somebody calls me up or calls Darren up or any member of our team and says, I've been denied LTD, we really ask a few basic questions. What was the reason? Do you have the denial letter? Uh, and then we ask you, you know, if they say that, well, the insurance company says you're not disabled, we ask you, okay, what's your disability or what's preventing you from working? Do you have doctors that support you being off work? If the answer is yes, then you have a case. It's really not complicated. It's just the insurance company would love it for you to just walk away. Because for every person that walks away, the insurance company pockets that money. And we're talking about tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars per claim. Yeah. Right? You got 10 of these kinds of claims. Let's say each one is worth a hundred grand. As an example, the insurance company just saved a million dollars for its shareholders. Yeah. Extrapolate that across Canada. So my point is, do not take no for an answer. Don't be afraid to apply for long-term disability. Uh, and if you get denied, please don't get depressed or anxious or, uh, you know, give up. Give us a call. It costs nothing. And we can give you the answers, by the way, generally within a few minutes after speaking with you and reviewing the necessary documentation for free. Danielle, nicely done. You made the email. Here's a number just in case you haven't got that down. Toll free to follow up. one 821 5900 Let's get to, uh, to Malachi now. It's a good one as well. It says, guys, my wife suffered a stroke about two years ago, resulting in partial paralysis, which prevented her from working. She's made great progress in her health, but a neurologist says she isn't ready to go back to her job. The insurance company felt otherwise and cut her off LTD. Our first appeal, lovely, failed, shocking. Should we try again? I mean... It is always up to you to, to, I always tell people this when they call and say, well, my first appeal was denied or my second appeal was denied. Is there a chance in, in, in us getting approved? And, and is there a hope in that? And I always tell people there's, there's always hope in, in something, but you have to look at the practicalities. Um, what you are doing is you are going back and you are asking, uh, someone who's already made a decision to look at their decision again and remake it. That's that's what an appeal is. You're not appealing to an external body. You're not appealing to anyone different, really. You're appealing to the same insurer who has denied your claim in the first place. And and I mean, the question I always ask is, why do you expect this this response to be different? Why do you expect them to make a different decision this time based on that same information? I like to leave this in, in people's hands, um, whether you want to try again. The longer you delay, the the longer you're going to be delaying you you starting a claim. Um, you know, I've had some people who have said, listen, you, you can go make your second appeal if you'd like, and you can come back and talk to me after because I know they will be back to talk to me after, and they are back to talk to me after. And then we end up filing a legal claim for their benefits that were denied not once, but twice. My position is, is that you are asking when you're asking someone to relook at their decision and to come to a different decision, they're, they're likely not going to do that. And, and so I say, why, why delay? Why wait? Come, come to me right away. And then and let's, uh, let's file your claim and let's, let's get you the benefits that you're, you're owed under your contract that, that you're due. I mean, especially if you've got um, partial paralysis here, you, you suffered a stroke, you know, who knows if that's going to get better? Who knows if you're going to have other complicating factors? Um, I mean, you're, you're going without income for this time. That's a hardship on any family. Um, and, and so, you know, I always say try to pursue these without delay and, and get the, get the quickest path to, to your resolution that you can. Savan, what your take on this one? Yeah, I agree with Darren 100%. I'm probably a bit more bullish on the appeals. Uh, of course, we'll never force someone not to appeal. It's completely your choice. That said, 
I do find that people sometimes have this notion that if they just cooperate with the insurance company when it comes to these appeals, somehow maybe they'll get a, a soul on the other side that's empathetic and, and will listen to you. Remember, these are businesses, billion-dollar businesses, and they make money. The reality is they make money off the backs of disabled individuals. Right? They don't pay claims. They collect premiums and then they figure out how to not pay. That's actually just generally how insurance works. It's the only product I'm aware of where as soon as you buy it and start paying premiums, start paying something for that product, that what is that product? Peace of mind. As soon as you're paying for that or your employer pays for that, the company that this was purchased from now has an incentive not to pay you, not to give you that product. Right, I mean, it's crazy as as a concept, yeah. but that's just the way it is. And so, if you're appealing and you're denied, well, but that's within their model. So why would they approve a second appeal or a third appeal? I've had situations where people actually appealed several times, and unfortunately, the clock was ran out and they were out of time. Right, you have two years from the date of first denial to start a legal claim. Uh, save for a few exceptions. So you have to be very, very careful. Not to mention that you are wasting a lot of time, and you know the bills are piling up. But it makes me angry when I hear about a case like this where it's a stroke. It's something that is really, you know, we started the show talking about chronic pain and how there is some what's called invisible illnesses, right? You can't really see on an x-ray and, you know, it's objective medical evidence that insurance companies want. Well, when you have a stroke, I mean, <laughs> you have all of the medical information you need to make that assessment in a case like this with this person's wife that she cannot work. Especially when the neurologist, the person who is treating her, the specialist, is saying she's not ready. And then you have the insurance company substituting their opinion? Seriously? In some cases, I'm telling you, John, we've gone after punitive damages. And I've had situations where I've questioned some of these adjusters within the legal setting. And I said to them, I asked, my question was, are you a doctor? Are you? And they said, no. I said, so then explain to me how it is that you've substituted your opinion for the treating doctor's opinion. Well, who's the doctor here? And he, they didn't know what to say. I had some adjusters who cried when, when I was uh, you know, questioning them, sometimes too aggressively. But it, it's just, it's, it's crazy to me. It's just crazy to me. And so the message here is, if you were denied LTD, or if you're told that your benefits will end and you are still disabled, you need to give us a call immediately. Don't play their games. Don't waste time on these stupid appeals that generally go nowhere. At least don't do that. Don't appeal before speaking with us. If after speaking mm -hmm. with us, you know, you've got the information you need and you make an informed decision, again, informed decision, that's the key, informed, and then you want to continue appealing, go ahead and do it. Darren's right. People generally come back to us after a lot of time has been wasted. You know, they're deflated and they're upset, but at least we can help them at that point. But why do that? Sometimes people go through several appeals and when they come to us, it's a year later, and we say, you know what? We probably could have resolved your case by now. But it doesn't matter. We can still help. So please, please, please do not play their game. Come to us. Get the information you need. Always reach out. Don't keep going on that hamster wheel, man, for sure. How do you do it? Uh, you make the phone call. Toll free for sure. 1-855-821-5900. And email, which we're going to go right back to after break, help at disabilityrights.ca. We continue. Lots more of the Disability Law Show is coming right up. 
You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back, Disability Law Show. Thank you so much for hanging on the show today. If you need more information anytime, you can always reach out. It's toll-free. Encouraged to make that phone call anytime. 1-855-821-5900. Email help at disabilityrights.ca. Any more other questions you want to ask through your smartphone or your tablet, etc., you can go to mydisabilityquestions.com. That is a free and anonymous resource uh, as well. Working our way down the list, boys, to uh, Cynthia. Cynthia's up next. These guys have been on LTD for over two years now due to severe rheumatoid arthritis. My insurer has recently been insisting I apply for CPP benefits and requested that my information be shared between my doctor, LTD, and CPP disability. Do I have to apply for CPP? I'm worried a refusal might affect my current LTD claim. So, Cynthia. So, thanks, Cynthia, for the question. Uh, this is one we see in, in, in many of the longer claims. So, CPPD, so, so Canada Pension Plan disability payments, are, are something that you may be, people may be required to apply for under the terms of their policy. The Your LTD and your, your short-term disability and your long-term disability are contracts of insurance between yourself and the insurer. Everything is dictated by that contract. If you ever have a question, you go back to the wording of that contract. I think in, in, in a large proportion of these, these contracts, what you'll see is you'll see there's a requirement um, to apply for CPP disability or if the insurer requests that you do so that you have you may have an obligation to. Um, in, in this sense, if you're denied CPP disability, I mean, the insurer may use that as a reason to, to deny your claim at that point. It, it's, it's impossible to say whether or not they're permitted to do that is an entirely different mm-hmm. question. You know, as we've seen with, with a lot of our claims, you know, sometimes insurers will simply deny your claim for, for no good reason. And we've had that. We've had questions today where, say, for example, people have had strokes, there's objective medical evidence, there's treatment doctors who are supporting the fact that you are disabled and you're unable to work. And the insurer still says, well, we're going to deny your claim because we think differently. Just because they deny your claim does not mean it's right and does not mean you don't have recourse. Um, so here you may have, a, however, here you may have a requirement or you may be obligated to apply for CPPD. In that case, you do the application. If you're accepted, then you'll begin getting CPPD payments that will be offset by the insurer's payments. So they'll get a bit of a credit for that. You won't get more every month. You know, that that's something to understand. A refusal may do nothing at all, or it may cause them to deny your claim. If that is the case or that does happen, then you, you give us a call and, and we'll review your situation and and, and advise you accordingly and, and, you know, go after the insurer if they do use that as a basis for you being denied. At the end of the day, whether or not you're entitled to LTD payments really does depend on the, the base question. Are you disabled under the terms of your policy? Can you not work? Does your doctor support that you're disabled from working? And if that's the case, then then and even after you're denied CPP disability, because there's a different test there, there they look at somewhat different things than your insurance contract may specify your insurer needs to look at. And so a denial for one doesn't mean you'll get denied for the other. Um, you know, the, the question always remains, are you able to work or are you not able to work? As usual, Darren uh, hits the nail on the head from multiple angles. I completely agree with him. One thing I will add is that we have this website, John, that we've talked about before called Mm ltdfaq.ca. 
long-term disability frequently asked questions.ca that we've created months and months ago uh, exactly answering questions about this kind of stuff cpp disability appeals all that kind of stuff and what it, it is is it, it contains short memos uh, in non-legalese so it's just for the general public you don't have to pay anything you just go there and just click on it and it opens up and there is one that deals specifically with cpp disability the most frequently asked questions about that with answers so i urge people to go uh, to check it out if the insurance company is correct or not and i can tell you john the vast majority of people who end up calling us we tell them you have a case not everyone we will tell you the way it is we're not going to sugarcoat it but uh, the vast majority that do call us we tell them they have a case simply because they know that they're disabled and they know that their doctors are supporting them and they know that the insurance company is doing something wrong it's just a lot of people just are scared to even pick up the phone or to email us don't be scared we don't bite uh, we're <sighs> there we're on your side you know uh, again my colleague James Fireman when I told him uh, a long time ago that our job is to even the playing field between disabled individuals and insurance companies he responded in a way that I thought was just emblematic of what we try to do. He says, no, we don't even the playing field. We tilt it in your favor. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely exactly. true. Cynthia, nicely done. Make that phone call. Carry on with it. one 821 5900 Anurita is coming up next. She says, I'm presently on STD, but my mental health seems to, to be getting worse. I have bouts of anxiety attacks uh, anywhere, anytime. Now the insurance company wants to have a comprehensive medical review my last working day was the 30th of August for two payments as STD. My insurer has sent some 16 pages to my psychiatrist. After receiving the papers, my insurer told me that they will get back to me after their comprehensive review. What do I do if they decline? For me, working full-time would be absolutely impossible. I'm a single mom with no support for my depression and anxiety. is blowing through the roof. Uh, I work for Home Depot. Wow, what do you do in that situation, guys? Yeah, I mean, look, these are real people, John. That's the thing. And insurance companies, they don't care. They don't care. So, I mean, Rita, let, let me let me try and lessen your anxiety. Uh, if if you have a psychiatrist, first of all, it means that you are, in fact, I assume, getting uh, help, medical help here, uh, and that's important because when you're dealing with mental health claims and you have someone like a psychiatrist or psychologist or a psychotherapist, in addition to a family doctor or even instead of, that's very powerful. It shows the insurance company that there is a legitimate issue here uh, that needs uh, dealing with, and you are dealing with it. And here's why I want to lessen your anxiety or how I'm going to lessen it. I'll tell you this. Could they potentially deny your claim? They could. But that's not the end. You have people on your side. We're going to be on your side. Now, 16 pages... That's a lot. Hopefully, your insur- your uh, psychiatrist will, will uh, fill them out. Uh, s- some of them are not complex to fill out. What's important that your, is that your psychiatrist provides as much information as possible to explain the nature of your uh, disability, the anxiety. Sometimes anxiety is uh, wrapped together with depression, uh, with other types of, uh, of mental health conditions. That affects, by the way, the physical aspects of, of people, right? I mean, you can't sleep. Uh, your weak memory issues, all that kind of stuff. So it's really important that there is as much information as possible. Now, the insurance company says that they will do a comprehensive review. What does that mean? It just means basically that they're going to look at all the documentation. They're going to review whatever your psychiatrist says. I can tell you that when someone has a psychiatrist behind them or a neurologist or an orthopedic surgeon or any other specialist, 
it's very, I'm going to say it's very unusual, but it, it does happen, but it's less likely for the insurance company to deny that claim, especially when it comes to short-term disability. With long-term disability, we see more cases declined simply because it means the insurance company has to pay for a longer period of time. It means shelling out more money on their end. Uh, so I would not be concerned at this point. If, however, they come back to you and they decline your claim, call us follow up with us we will help you i'm telling you right now we will help you and we will force your insurance company to pay you what you're owed period more coming up guys stand by for one more short break we'll get right back into your emails the toll-free number anytime and we plug it all our is 1-855-821-5900 that email address is help at disabilityrights.ca and as savan mentioned a short time ago quick concise non-legalese easy to digest memos about ltd a variety of topics so simple to use ltd FAQ.ca, and we'll continue with more of the Disability Law Show. Hang on. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. All right, welcome back. Disability Law Show, few minutes to go, but beyond the hour of the show, you're always encouraged to reach out. Don't hesitate. 1-855-821-5900. Help at disabilityrights.ca. And you can also ask your questions uh, anonymously through mydisabilityquestions.com. Want to get down to another email, though, Savannah, as we continue on here. Deborah is up next, says, I am a flight attendant and went off on disability October 2021, and my claim was accepted on October 5th, 2022. My insurer decided to cancel my claim, saying there wasn't enough medical information to support it. My doctor has supplied them with forms that they requested, plus test results and letters explaining my illness, and they still deny it. I'm now on my third appeal, which is the deadline at the end of this month. Do I have a case? I would like to talk with Savannah about my situation to see if I have any rights to get my disability payments. I really don't know what to do. Deborah, I would love to speak with you about this after the show, but let's use this as a test, not a test case, but as a sample case, uh, mm-hmm. a lesson here for people. Uh, number one, these appeals are useless. Not blaming you, Deborah, one bit for going through them, but it keeps reinforcing the point that we are making, the lawyers of my firm are making, which is that these appeals are a way for the insurance company to establish and maintain control over you, the claimant. Because as long as you play their game and do these appeals, you are wasting time. I'm never going to tell you that no appeal ever works. Just like I'm never going to tell you that if you play the lottery, you're never going to win. Of course, there are situations where it does happen. I've asked, and John, I feel like a broken record, but I've asked repeatedly the insurance industry and insurance companies, adjusters and lawyers working for insurance companies to give me statistics about how many of these appeals actually get reversed. Like how many of these, like is it worthwhile? Is it 1%? Is it 90%? Is it 0.001%? Like I suspect. I don't know. They keep telling me they don't have statistics, which I do not believe because insurance companies have statistics about everything. Here's the thing, Deborah. If your doctor has given them the forms they needed, they've, the doctor has explained why it is that you cannot work. Uh, the doctor has provided even some of the testing, uh, the reports, and the insurance company simply says, no, no, no. Honestly, why are you even talking to them? Let me go after them. Let my team go after them. Like we, we love this kind of stuff. We, for us, it's, it's, we're like a dog with a bone. If we mm-hmm. see someone on the other side, uh, a, a person who's suffering, and they're telling us that insurance company is the cause of my suffering, and then we investigate, we look at it, we look at the documents, we look at everything, and we see this injustice, 
It is our goal and our mission to correct that injustice. And we do that. We do that. Uh, so, Deborah, I can tell you right now, without even going through some of your records, if, you're, if your doctor is on board with you, uh, if in fact you are... Uh, you were accepted initially, which means the insurance company has actually agreed initially that you were disabled, and only a few months later they reversed their position. I'd like to understand why. It's just, it makes no sense. So, John, let, let's break this down here. Sorry, I'm just, yeah. I'm looking at the email. She went on disability in October 2021. Three months later or four months later, the insurer decides to cancel her claim, stop benefits, saying that there wasn't enough medical information to support it. What changed? Yeah. What changed? If nothing changed, if it's the same doctor or doctor supporting her disability, I would not be surprised if maybe the adjuster changed. It's a different adjuster. Maybe the adjuster is the same, but now has orders from the top from a manager to cut costs, to cut, you know, claimants. Something doesn't make sense here to me, right? So, Deborah, I'd love to speak with you outside of the show. Uh, and, you know, I want to review the documentation and I'll tell you really fast, really quickly what your options are. But I suspect that you have a case and I suspect that I can force the insurance company to pay you exactly what you're owed within a reasonably short period of time. Nicely done, pal. Let's move on to uh, Larry with our remaining minutes. As guys who went for a, a neuropsychological IME assessment requested by Disability Insurance Company for depression, report came back that I have cognitive deficiencies and requesting my doctor that I uh, see a neurologist and do a physical as they're suggesting, and I have some other mental-related issues. I understand you need to attend the IME, which I did, but I do have to follow the recommendations uh, of seeing a neurologist and do a physical if my doctor is not in agreement? Do the insurance companies use this to stop payments? Is it a tactic of theirs? A little bullying going on there. Yeah, there is, there is. But it's a really interesting question because this is where we have to be careful and nuanced in how mm -hmm. we, in how I answer this kind of a question. So you're right, Larry. Uh, you were supposed to go to this IME, this independent, independent medical examination, which of course, John, I've said before, these are not independent. Uh, these doctors are hired and selected by insurance companies and paid by insurance companies to do these assessments. But here's the thing. Clearly, this doctor hired by the insurance company is saying that you have issues, except that this doctor is also saying that you need to be seeing a neurologist and do a physical. Uh, so here's the thing. You're asking, should you go and do that? Um, it, they're not saying, from what I can see from your email, they're not saying that you need to be treated by the neurologist, but it seems like they want some testing done. For some reason, your doctor disagrees. I, this is going to sound strange, but I would tell you, to follow what the insurance company's doctor is saying here. And here's the reason why. Um, and I don't want to, you know, step over your doctor's uh, toes. Because if they were to say that you need to go through certain treatments and your treating doctor disagrees, then I would say your doctor trumps. Your doctor is who you should be listening to because he has your best interest at heart and he's telling you what to do and you should do what the doctor's saying. You should not be doing treatments contrary to your doctor's advice. However, However, in this case, the insurance company doctor is not saying that you need those treatments. They're simply saying you need more testing done. I don't know that you can reasonably say that you should not be doing this testing. What is the downside of doing this testing? So, you know, John, like I said, I, we're not, even though I rail against insurance companies and I think that they're unreasonable, I also want to make sure that I don't create a situation that uh, unjustifiably, unreasonably puts claimants in a position that they don't need to be, which is to be in a confrontation with the insurance company. Now, if you say no, Larry, 
you're asking, can the insurance company use this to stop your payments? Yeah, they could. They could take the position that you are not following the provisions, not complying with the provision of your insurance policy, and therefore stop payments. Now, I would need to see the policy. I would need to see the exact wording. I would need to see whether or not the policy that you have with your insurance company essentially says that you have to follow these kinds of recommendations for further testing rather than treatments. But irrespective of that, why not do the further testing? I mean, I'm not actually mm-hmm. sure exactly why your doctor is saying not to do it. I, I simply don't understand. It's not treatments. It's testing. Wouldn't you want to do all the testing necessary to really rule out any other issues? So if it was me, Larry, at least, I would tell you if it was me or if it was a family member, my family member, I would tell them to go and get this testing done. Now, if there are treatments being recommended, again, I would speak with my own doctor, just like I'm saying you should be following up with your own treating doctors. Uh, but I, I don't know that you should put up a fight on this. I don't know that it's worth a fight. Um, that's that's really where, where I would fall on this, John. It's, it's a, it, it, This is a, a bit of a, a nuanced situation because uh, typically I say defer to your family doctor or to your own doctors, which I still think you should, except mm-hmm. that it's in regards to treatments, not necessarily further testing. Yeah. And with that, we are done. Thank you so much for all of your emails, guys. Nicely done today as well. You can always reach out to Darren and uh, Savan anytime, toll free, 1-855-821-5900 is how that happens. Uh, the email address, which we've been using all show and every show is help at disabilityrights.ca. And for more questions online can be asked anonymously. Just type it in, mydisabilityquestions.com. And then finally, ltdfaq.ca is another resource for you to use anytime. And we'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show. The pre- Proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.